0: Blaze Radio Network. And now, Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me again, and uh, it is uh, always wonderful to be with you. Um, Always a number of issues to talk about, especially now with the war front that's been opened by Hamas again, the Hydra that has uh, regrown its radical Islamist head and began a war on October 7th that uh, slaughtered over 1,400 Israelis, uh, innocent women and children who went to bed one night uh, thinking things were normal only to then wake up early in the morning to hear bombs, to hear missiles, to hear the noise of their neighbors and their own homes invaded by radical terrorists. And now we have over 240 hostages held inside Gaza, and Israel is responding to that attack, to that onslaught with a ground war, in order to not only retrieve their hostages, but to make sure that Hamas is unable to attack again, that its leadership is decimated. Hamas is ceases to exist, that this is no longer simply a response to an attack, an offense that killed over 1,400, if not more, as we continue to find out who all the victims are, and war is always something that every human being wants to avoid. As we know, when the United States responded to 9-11, as we w- waged war in Afghanistan, and then Iraq, and obviously there's a lot of hand-wringing to be had about Iraq, but at the end of the day, Afghanistan was where Al-Qaeda was pulled up. It's where those that attacked us were able to develop the means and the planning and the ability to attack the United States from afar and as president bush waged back then he said no one can continue to harbor terrorists and if they do they are the enemy of the United States and those that harbor terrorists will ultimately have to be have to be part of a war to get rid of those terrorists, which is what the United States did as we invaded Afghanistan and rightly made sure that al-Qaeda did not come back again to attack us. And, you know, I think this is important to remember as we're seeing a, a ton of propaganda, media reports, polarization of what is actually happening on the ground. Yes, war is... A a horror for any innocent civilians, and we pray for the innocents not to be harmed, including the innocent Palestinians that are victims of Hamas's ruthless, evil regime that has controlled Gaza for many, many years, the occupation that exists. In what they describe as an open air prison is an open air prison imprisoned by the likes of Hamas, which had they gone to the table, had they abandoned their supremacist Sharia state ideology, their anti-Semitic call for a state from the river to the sea, which is basically to remove Israel as a state this is not this is not the language of anyone who wants to create economic partnership or wants to. Uh, open their society to uh, economic improvements and to change what is one of the toughest situations for the densest, most populated areas on the planet, including Gaza. And uh, But Hamas did not want that. Hamas doesn't care about Palestinians. They care about waging war intermittently as they get armed from the likes of Iran. They care about a global jihad. They care about the position they have and the ascendancy of the Islamic State within the land of Islam or Dar al-Islam versus Dar al-Harb or the land of war. So they divide anywhere where Muslims live to be the land of Islam, Islamic law, Islamic states, Islamic theocracy, theocratic entities, and they describe where lands are not Muslim majority as the land of war, there is no in-between. And as a result, the victims of this black and white extremist mindset are the innocent people in Gaza, the innocent people, as we saw in Syria, that were victims of ISIS, as the United States, finally, with General Mattis, waged a war to decimate ISIS. Can't tell you the number of those in the West now that we see demonstrating on universities and from the Islamists to the progressivists to those that harbor some deep-seated anti-Semitism are, seem to take up the bandwidth of discussion of this war with a sense that somehow Israel is the bad actor and Hamas, oh, they're just terrorists, they always be that way, and it's, uh, you know, this is not, uh, it is Israel that needs to act like the adult. And so as the Israeli citizens were attacked from their border and the IDF needs to respond what is the narrative in which they are to respond to that to make their country safe again from this happening again if they don't respond then missiles could be launched again in two weeks, in four weeks this is not going to just go away so I am I am just befuddled, and and it's incomprehensible to say that somehow there should be a pacifist streak. And this is the narrative coming out of left media, coming out of the universities and others, is that somehow because Israel is responding with force to go in and extricate and eliminate Hamas's leadership, that no, those innocents that... We're not part of the military operation of Hamas that are suffering as the war is waged are somehow being targeted, that that is just an intentional act. And I'm sorry, that is anti-Semitism to say that the IDF is any different than the U.S. military. Yeah, I served for 11 years. And while I never experienced anything like Abu Ghraib and other acts that were an embarrassment to the U.S. military, that those are clearly an exception when they occur. And, yeah, there were conversations about inappropriate acts of war that were done in Afghanistan by Western forces, but the vast, vast majority of the wars we wage were to protect innocents, were to prevent collateral damage. And... I can tell you that's my understanding and that's my sense of the war that the IDF is waging as they try to prevent another one of these from happening ever again and the Hamas Hamas military leadership from ever having the capability to wage this. But Hamas isn't just fighting Israel. It's part of a larger group that wage war. Because it's a global religious war against those that are non-Muslims, be they Jews or Christians. And after the Islamist terror group Hamas launched its genocidal attack on Israel and the Jewish people, killing also 30 Americans, but over 1,400 Israelis. They reopened, they redeclared the regional and global triangular. And this is important, folks a triangular battle between Islamist movements, Arab dictators, and the West. So Israel and America is part of the West part of that triangle. Lands of freedom that they see as the biggest existential threat to the ascendancy of Da'ad islam or Islamic states. And as we saw after the Arab awakening in 2011, the Islamists are in a almost a gang-type battle against the military dictatorships to try to get control of, be it the hearts and minds of people. We saw in Egypt a flip away from Mubarak to the Muslim Brotherhood and then back to El sisi And this is sort of typical of the back and forth between tyrannies of theocratic tyranny and then secular military socialist tyranny of the Ba'athists of Syria, of, of, of Iraq, with Saddam Hussein, Assad in Syria, and the NDP, the National Democratic Party of Egypt, which are military dictatorships. And that's that part of the triangle, as the Islamists said, they were the ones to fight for the people. And Hamas continually does that. And they they use chaos, death, disruption as the kindling for their jihadi global growth as they seek the realization of the caliphate, or dar al-Islam. They may not talk about the caliphate as much, certainly Al-Qaeda did, as caliphists directly, but Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood seek. Hamas is the Muslim Brotherhood. Surprise, surprise, Turkey-backed Hamas, did not really say anything critical about the horrific atrocities committed by terrorists through Jewish neighborhoods in the kibbutz that were... Terrorized as they videotaped, as they, as they had GoPros on their head videotaping and, and, and live streaming what they did. But Turkey didn't say anything. The AKP, which is the Muslim Brotherhood of Turkey, Erdogan's party now for over 20 years in control, has radicalized Turkey, has turned it into a theocracy. And as Erdogan said when he was the mayor of Istanbul, and I reminded you before, he said, democracy is like a train. You get on it, you get to where you want to go, and then you get off. Well, Erdogan got off 20 years ago when he got into power, and now he has imprisoned dissenters, he has imprisoned professors. And as many free-thinking journalist organizations have said repeatedly, they are one of the worst offenders of academic freedom on the planet. Free press freedom is gone in Turkey and many in the likes in the West of Ennis Cantor have repeatedly reminded us about that. It's important to define what the term Islamist is, and I'll remind you, and I'll continue to do that as part of the educational process of this program, which is the term doesn't define every adherent to the Islamic faith. Islamists are basically theocrats who demand the establishment of Islamic states based in Sharia, Law or Islamic jurisprudence. Islamists like the Brotherhood and Khomeinists on the Shia side, the Brotherhood on the Sunni side, they hatch Hamas, they hatch Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda and ISIS, to name a few of thousands of terror groups. From Al-Shabaab in Somalia to Jamaat Islamiyah in Pakistan. And among the roughly one point eight billion Muslims in the world now there's this there is a brewing civil war within the House of islam Civil war about ownership of what is the identity of being Muslim is it a national identity? does Ummah or faith community mean citizen of a state Islamic state does it mean military soldier, jihad, so that when you swear to a state, an Islamic state, the constitution the Quran, and it all goes together, where when they fight a war, it's not just for a national identity, but it is for a global ascendancy of what they see as the tradition of the Prophet Muhammad, or not, like most the rest of us that have reformed and adopted Americanism, Westernism, liberal democracy, which is a separation, a prevention of the establishment of religion through government, a prevention of theocratic law that Islamic law, religious law, Judeo-Christian law is a source of law, but not the source of law. And this is the battle brewing within the House of Islam. And ultimately, this is the reality of the battle that's happening and brewing. And I've talked to you about it more existentially Spiritually, and really with the focus of the movement of our Muslim reform movement and our own nonprofit, the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, which I founded. But unfortunately, the Islamists, when they wage a war and declare one and launch one in their militant arms, then whatever happens afterwards, they twist and claim victimology. It's amazing. It's and you wonder how the red green axis works together. Didn't we see this across America, where we saw businesses, innocent businesses, being torched, being destroyed, cities being uh, uh, having their economies frozen during a pandemic, and then all of a sudden, it was about they were the victims. They were the victims of a, 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 a colonialist country, a, a country that was on, built on stolen land. And then we saw the DEI initiatives of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And all of a sudden, those initiatives were about America being the aggressor, not the country that gave them the freedom to speak out, to, to have um, a, a chance at an American dream. No. No. Somehow the evil was in the West and their allies were the regimes like Iran and the regimes like the Chinese Communist Party and 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 others globally in this progressivist movement. It's just it's just un, unreal. And whether violent or viol- violent, or nonviolent, the dominant side Seems to be their side because of massive financing from uh, uh, tribal petro-Islam. What's petro-Islam? The, the Qataris and the Iranian regimes and the Turks and others that fill the waves in social media, along with the Chinese and TikTok, etc., that try to erode who we are. That's their offense. They light matches here and there for violent extremism, and then they also use the nonviolent arms to erode who we are from within in our civil institutions and our civic institutions. So the massive financing, the media propaganda, and the control of Islamic education by many of these tribes from Persian Gulf Islamist petro-Islamic entities, those tribes that would be but a footnote in history if not for their wealth, And, you know, the rest of the world's Muslims divide themselves up into many more secular political movements. So, on the one hand, you've got the far-left collective moving forward and a common enemy of the West, epitomized by the little Satan, Israel, they call it, and the great Satan, America. And if you defend them, then somehow you are defending militancy rather than simply trying to wage a defense of the civilized of the free and certainly the best thing that can happen as raheel raza wrote in the national post the best thing that can happen to muslims is the end of hamas as an organization their defeat no different than the nazis were defeated in world war 2 and the and the japanese uh, tyranny was defeated And Saddam was defeated. Ultimately, that was a step forward. Now, many times in history, one step forward, two steps back. But ultimately, there is no forward with Hamas in control. We talked about, I touched on why now there's a window of opportunity for Hamas before Biden leaves office. As they were getting armed, as Iran sees that it has an opportunity to fuel and kindle explosions farther from their own problems in their country as women's rights movements across Iran are waging a revolution and they've been weakened in the Iranian theocracy. So why not create a, a movement that, uh, or, or rekindle an Islamist movement that reminds the militants that they exist, that their brand is still thriving, that the hydro will regrow ahead. Hamas comes back like ISIS did, like Al-Qaeda does over and over. And they see America as weak. They see Israel as weak, as no longer having the will to defend our ally, Israel, or defend freedom. So why, in the, so why would they even wage a war in which they know israel is going to decimate them has much more military power because these are suicidal individuals these are individuals that see see their day-to-day life as about the hereafter and somehow and as as, as we all wrote post 9/11 as many of us reformers wrote that uh, they're going to be in for a grim uh, a grim reality that they're not gonna be surrounded by virgins, but by the wrath of God. So this is the important thing, is that if you're going to defeat Hamas, you must do so from a position of religious authenticity, from a sense that in Islam we need to clean house first of the militants of Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood. The Palestinian Islamists were becoming increasingly irrelevant. They were rendered irrelevant by the Abraham Accords, by populist movements across the Middle East uh, that uh, um, defeated the Brotherhood in 2014 as the demonstrations came up afterwards to say, no, we don't want this. This is not what we signed up for when we wanted to get rid of Mubarak. And the theocrats of the Brotherhood were worse. Now, another coup happened, which, again, did not give the anti-Islamist movements Credibility did it. You don't defeat bad ideas with coups. You defeat them with good ideas, with nonviolent revolutions. So the West must continue to have focus on on the reality of how you win the hearts and minds. Yes, we we tell them that there is no bargaining with terrorists, that... Ultimately, uh, they will pay a price definitively for launching cowardly, cowardly terror wars that hide among civilian populations and, and and arm their so-called soldiers, which are just cowards. They arm them with manuals that tell them to target festivals and schools and, and uh, senior citizens and others and women. And, and rape them and do horrific things that are even beyond animalistic. It is Muslim moral integrity and character that needs to fight that and defeat that. So we're not just fighting Hamas, but an idea. An idea that somehow victims can do anything they want. Victims can come up and, and, and become militant and... By any means necessary, right? That phrase, any means necessary, we saw not only from Palestinian Islamist movements, but from Black Lives Matter and and other far-left radical progressivist movements in the West. So Islamists and Marxists joined forces to try and destroy our nation, our Western societies from within. So why shouldn't we deploy the same against them? Why don't we push ideas of moral integrity, of religious authenticity, of moral character. Character is destiny. So it's as much an ideological war as it is a kinetic one. And, you know, this has been one of my criticisms of the Israeli government is, I understand that they were working economically with some of the free thinkers in the Palestinian areas, but why not wage... An ideological campaign, not just what memory does, and God bless the folks at memory, M E M R I, that document what imams and others have been saying to radicalize the Palestinian communities, but even beyond that, develop a forward public diplomacy program that engages and rewards those who have the moral integrity to recognize Israel, to speak out against the BDS movements and speak out against, openly against the Hamas charter that calls for killing a Jew behind every stone and speak out against those that call for Israel to be defeated from the river to the sea, which is basically a destruction of the entire state. It's long overdue for us to have an offense not only there locally, but globally from the U.S., public diplomacy program that Obama basically destroyed and dismantled, and we need to reinvigorate, and certainly Biden's not going to do that as his apology tour, Obama 3.0, continues in its fecklessness. We need a strategy against the global jihad and global Islamism. Jihadis have the patience to wait us out and wait out our fickle, quixotic election cycles and return again and again. And again, to slaughter. So this is not going to happen this time as Hamas is dismantled. I hope and pray, but also with the least amount of innocent loss of life in Gaza. As that war is waged. The West should win and execute this immediately in order to finish it quickly. Free the hostages. And hopefully then the Palestinian communities can rebuild without Hamas, rebuild without Fatah in the West Bank, rebuild with an idea of entrepreneurship, of, of not only the need for the most essential of basic resources of life, but a new dream of what it means to be part of their communities. A new dream of rejecting the global Islamist movement. Rejecting the supremacy of Islamic states. And and that's the Hamas core ideology. There's this peripheral ideology which is non-Islamist, but really involves sort of the idea of Palestinianism. Every nation-state develops its ism, if you will, of what it means to belong to that nation-state. And as we saw in Iran, as we see in Saudi Arabia, it often gets deeply intermingled and intertwined with the idea of Islamic State, Sharia State, theocratic mentality. With with Palestinianism, there is is a, a split, if you will, with the, you know, if you will, for example, the Hanan Ashrawi's socialist plo operative who is christian and obviously is not an islamist but has this deep anti-semitism this this us versus them mentality in which her tribe is the palestinian tribe so palestinianism can on the surface first described by apologists of the palestinian movement as a as a mirror image of Zionism and part of the parcel of a two-state solution. And yet, in one of the earliest references to the idea, that was, and this was John Wolfe, he noted that it was an outgrowth of the 1967 war, had been for Palestinians to recognize their Palestinianism as an idea which he noted would integrate them into their lost land and give them a political presence, Presence so far ignored. It was a deeply seated concept of a Palestinian state within the Palestinian consciousness, a national identity. It does not have to be real or even based in an actual existing state for it to become quickly a virulent inspiration of a collectivizing movement. Edward Said and other Palestinianists in the West, again, Said being a Christian gave the term new life, defining it as a, quote, political movement that is being built out of a reassertion of Palestinian multi-ethnic and multi-religious history. Saeed, a Palestinian-American author and a Columbia University professor, made an industry out of obsessively blurring, blaming the West for their bias and framing the ills of the Palestinian movement. His premise was essentially that the West was changed the West changed its vantage point to being one primarily through the lens of Palestinian grievances. It realized that Zionism, often articulated more obliquely under critique of colonialism or Orientalism, as Said called it, was the the problem. And Palestinianism was the solution. So his advocacy for Palestinianism inspired other Western Palestinian intellectuals and apologists like Rashid Khalidi to revise history and expand Palestinian identity from the cultural domain into the national and political domain. So Khalidi, for example, tried to counter the history of early 20th century Zionism by claiming that Palestinianism as a national movement existed long before World War I. <laughs> and, and just fast forward, it all came sort of full circle before this war as growing criticisms of radical Islamist American politicians like Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, were defended by anti-Zionists like Peter Beinert, who tried to claim that criticism of these high-profile politicians was bigoted anti-Palestinianism. Quote, unquote. Beinert and others uh, um, sort of feebly attempted to mirror their experience with anti-Zionism with an attempt at equating Palestinianism with domestic American identity politics. This is so key, folks. Klabe, an Arab American, embraced embraced her identification as a woman of color. Beinert made the hysterical claim that, quote, the evidence that the squad's critics are anti-Palestinian is far stronger than the evidence that the squad is anti-Jewish. Seriously, that's where we were. And then you wonder how it is that Hamas's war crimes and atrocities become a footnote in this bandwidth that gets filled with identity politics where an Arab American woman is a woman of color, that Palestinianism is, is, is somehow the victim of Zionism and a battling of national identity. So at the key is two major evils. One is Islamism, theocracy, that repeatedly in history has been proven to be evil, regardless of the faith, and this time it's the Islamic world that is needing to defeat its theocracy. And second is the evil of anti-Semitism, and true bigotry, where bigotry within our faith communities, like we see by Islamists like Ilhan Omar, and racists like Rashida Tlaib that will ignore the reality of the supremacism that they're talking about and the marginalized dissent within our communities. Just follow my social media and you'll see some of the crazy comments by Islamists and Palestinianists and others that think that somehow I'm the one that's anti-Arab or anti-Palestinian. In fact, I'm trying to push forth a, a moral integrity that's not based on false moral equivalencies, but rather based on a battle of civilized, those who dissent appropriately versus those who dissent where by any means necessary that the ends justifies the means. So, in effect, Palestinianism, wedded and sometimes mirrored with Islamism, became a central driving force to minimize rank anti-Semitism and normalize the propaganda of Palestinianism. So, clearly, diagnosing what Palestinianism actually represents is key. So, we've talked about what Islamists is, what Islamists are, and what their goals are, how they use religion, how the Brotherhood identifies what their goals are. And the link between Islamism and anti-Semitism is clear in its theology and its interpretations, and especially lifting up of hadith of what they say the Prophet Muhammad did. So the national identity of Palestinianism is a secular in some ways evolving fascist movement that is just like we see the Arabists of Saddam Hussein often as they were pushed into corners become use the Palestinian movement to unite their Islamists with their movements against the West, against the great Satan often this is exactly what we see happening with the Palestinianists and the Islamists with Hamas and the global movement And why does all this matter? Palestinianism becomes a malleable tool that has certainly been useful over the last half century for its anti-Semitic exploiters of all stripes, whether Islamist or Arabist or otherwise. It's fungible. The fungible themes of identity politics, tribal collectivism, grievance narratives, and national supremacism you know have stood at, at the ready for any willing accomplices yet the underlying fuel that drives the growth of that movement, despite massive losses year after year, is the inspiration of Islamism. So without Islamism, Palestinianism dies on the vine like every other supremacist national entity in the region before it. So Islamism becomes the gift that keeps on giving to the collective movements. And that's where the Palestinianists, like the... Hanan Ashrawis of the world just sort of turned a blind eye to the Islamists because they share an ascendancy of Palestinian nation state. So, this is not to deny the Palestinians their identity, not at all. And for anyone who says that that's what I'm saying, you are intentionally twisting my words. Palestinian national identity, if it exists, as it exists, needs to earn the respect of the world through. Peaceful coexistence through an Arab awakening like we saw in Syria, like we saw in Libya, like we saw in Tunisia that begins to push back against all forms of tyranny in their country. Starting with Hamas and ending with Fatah and other supremacist and movements, and especially emphasizing that they are rejecting anti Semitism, standing with movements in the region like the women's movement in Iran, rejecting Iranian infusion of weapons and missiles and fuses that they want to light. This is the way to reform Palestinianism and thus reject BDS, reject all of the forms of supremacist mentality versus coexistence. Reject the victimization. And we can see that's what the progressivists need to do here. We've called for it with... The fact that true colorblind nature here in America would be not a DEI movement, but rather an acceptance of our combined agreed-upon social contract of constitutional law, of free markets, and against the collectivism of the far progressivist left. And this is the importance of a national identity based in true equality and a lack of demonization of a faith group like the Jews and others that the Palestinianists or Islamists do in a same anti-Semitic. So you wonder why universities across the West have, have unleashed their anti-Semitism. It's because the DEI movements, the, the BLM movements, The nations of Islam and other radical anti-Semites have created a fuel an acceptance of ideas that should be rejected by humanity and that's the only way forward ladies and gentlemen so ultimately in the ashes of war we pray that the innocent not suffer, we pray that the evil be defeated and that evil right now is hamas that needs to be defeated so that they can't launch missiles again into the future and their their horrific leadership no longer exists but may they not be may they minimize the unnecessary loss of life that these cowards have embedded themselves into and then blame Entities like the IDF that are trying to just make sure that they don't come back to attack again. So we pray for the protection of all the innocent. We pray for the end of war and the prevention of the ascendancy of Islamist movements in the future. As the West needs to begin to have an offense, an offense in the ideological battle against radical Islam, an offense against the ideological battle, against wokeism, against victimization, against anti-Westernism, anti-Semitism. And that offense needs to be through social media, through TikTok, through YouTube, through through X, Facebook. So that videos come up on the screens of teens and others that talk about the need for free thinking, for dissent, for peaceful debate, for for... For a a modern way of engagement that respects each other as equals, not as victims first. Thank you, everybody, for joining me this week, and for listening in on Reform This. Find us on Twitter at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D R Z U H D I J A S S E R, and also at Reform This Radio. God bless. We'll see you soon.